0: or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: It's the kickoff show with Evan Giddings and Lorenzo Neal. We are breaking it
2: down from all the way to the start of the game. Now, here's Evan Giddings and Lo Neal. What is going on, 49ers fans? Wake up. It's week six of the NFL, and the 49ers are two hours away from taking on the Cleveland Browns. Lorenzo Neal, Evan Giddings with you here, as always, on 95.7 The Game every single week before 49ers get get underway low. This is, is an opportunity this week for the 49ers to continue what I would consider and I think most people would low as the best start to a season by any team so far in 2023?
1: Yeah, is that throughout the league or is that the best team throughout the San Francisco 49ers the best team <laughs> in, the, in the NFL history? I guess I mean you you do, yeah, it's pretty pretty Thick cotton, there. Pretty deep water. You just jumped in right there. So I, I'm not letting <laughs> you just get off right there. Have, best team since what it's in in the NFL history? What are you saying, Jeff? What do you think? Well, right?
2: I'm, I'm glad you're going to let me th- set the stage for you, yes, Lowe. Yes, certainly yes, yes, in yes. the NFL, but the 49ers have a chance to start six to zero, obviously with the chance to win today against Cleveland. They've done that three times in their franchise history. You want to know those seasons? Yes. 1984. Yep. They went 15 and one. They won Super Bowl nineteen over the Denver Broncos and John Elway. They did it again in nineteen ninety. Yep. The season they went fourteen and two, lost in the NFC title game, and then most recently in two thousand nineteen when they went thirteen and three and they made to the Super Bowl. So they've done this three three different times in their franchise history, and each and every time it has marked a very special and yeah. historic season. So I would consider them certainly with a plus 99 point differential the most dominant team in the NFL thus far. But even by their own historic franchise standards, this is a team that has been damn good. That's understatement. And that's why I wanted you to continue. When you look at the
1: Niners and think of what they're doing and the way in which they're doing it, Evan, I think that this is going to be a historical year. Foreign injuries. If this team can stay healthy, the way that they're playing, and if Cal Shanahan can Help this team to make sure they don't have any look-ahead games or the trap games, and they stay focused on paper. Philly is the, everyone's looking for, but if they play and stay consistent, right now, do we start talking about that, or do I not say that yet? You know what? I mean? Do I do we yeah. think, do they start threatening New England for this perfect season when you look at who they have left on the schedule and the way that they're playing football, the way that they're firing on all cylinders? Nikki Bosa's getting in football shape, still working into it. You went out and got another pass rusher from Denver. You're you're looking at your team. Your quarterback's playing unbelievable in this system. He understands what he needs to do. He doesn't take a lot of chances. They just go out. You got the best running back in the league. You have a three-headed monster in your receivers. You got the big three, Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo is it's hard when you when you look at it though from outside and just say what they're showing you and if they stay consistent woof it's a
2: chance. I'm 100% with you, and that's why, even though Philadelphia is undoubtedly 5-0, and they are perfect to begin their season. The 5-0s and have not been created equal because of how good the 49ers have played. And I want to take it back to last weekend because yeah. I think that's going to set the stage for what we're about to get into and what you kind of tease as far as the trap potential of the Cleveland Browns. But that's because of how damn good the 49ers played on Sunday Night Football against the Dallas Cowboys. Absolutely shellacking. The former number one defense for 42 points. They only allowed eight first downs defensively. You and I were in the building low. And even though I did expect the 49ers to win that football game, I did not foresee. And I don't think even the Dallas Cowboys foresaw the kind of butt whooping that the 49ers put on them that night. Because it was, in all three phases... It was up and down the field. It was wire to wire. And it was in a way that put the entire league on notice to what you're talking about, which is now there are people beginning to look ahead and look beyond games like this. Not that we'll certainly get into it, but because of what they did to the Cowboys, there are people wondering if the 49ers can do something incredible this season.
1: Yeah, and you should. You should be wondering that because if you watch the way they're playing, even on the back end, I came into the season and said, hey, San Francisco 49ers, you look at the secondary, some guys did part in, you think, do you, they have, if you looked on that roster and said, the 49ers, where they're lacking at, you would say they do not have a shutdown lockdown corner. Mm-hmm. And to our dismay is the way that the back end and the secondary has been able to play and Wilkes, the DC, the the D coordinator, how he's gotten this defense, the results he's gotten at them, the scheme and the way in in which they're playing. This is shocking to me. It's very shocking to me because I didn't know if the secondary was going to be this strong and this prolific and play this well on the back end, not give up a bunch of big plays. They've been playing very, very consistent. They've been doing a great job of keeping receivers in front of them, and they're a great job of tackling. This team is tackling very, very well. When you saw what they did to the Dallas Cowboys, they dismantled them. And in the way that the Cowboys, you heard everything coming out with the media, and Dak Prescott and I'm, I'm already mad, I don't want to talk about this, yeah, after the one, last, they won the week before or prior to that, and he was just talking about how he couldn't wait to get to San Francisco because they knocked him out of the NFC, you know, quarterfinals you know so when you look at the way the Niners played them last year and it was a close game Dallas had Dallas was out to prove something that they belong Jerry Jones the organization they said we belong we know who San Fran is this was ready or not here we come the Dallas Cowboys told the Niners like you're saying Evan that they were coming and there's nothing they can do about it and the Niners saw him and they said what
2: I'm still take your cornbread, amazing. And even though the Forty ers said after the game that it was one that they kind of approached like any other game, low. I mean, I have a really hard time believing that that game did not mean something also to the San Francisco Forty ers Even though it was the Cowboys that were talking it up all week, and I think Exhibit A is George Kittle shirt. rocking the bleep <laughs> Dallas shirt during a Jordan Mason's really? touchdown. And, of course, that, that's taking it back to Gary Plummer in a former time for, for the 49ers. But, you know, George Kittle getting fined $14,000 for the unsportsmanlike conduct. Uh, the personalized T-shirt that he loved that kind of spurred Micah Parsons, right. saying he's making it more personal than it had to be. I don't know if the game itself was personal. But I'm sure it had to feel extremely good for the San Francisco 49ers to put the Dallas Cowboys into their place. A place that they have put them repeatedly in recent memory, both inside the playoffs as well as in the regular season. Oh, no question. If you
1: don't like it, then do something about it. And I love it. Kittle gave him the shirt. I I love old Gary Plummer. Played against that guy guy down there in San Diego. Uh, Great person. (laughs) Great linebacker. Loved old Plummer. But that just goes to tell you, Kittle had the shirt because he was tired. You're tired of hearing about Cowboys at real. You're tired of hearing the Cowboys as, you know, one of the better defense. Uh, the Cowboys got this offense and they're ready to go. CeeDee Lamb. And you hear all this in the Cowboys. The 49ers just say, no, it's another game. It's no bulletin board. But they were hungry. You saw this defense was out to show the Cowboys. Who had the really good defense and who is the really true number one defense? Who has the crown? You know, and that's what the
2: 49ers said. Bend the knee. We have the crown. So <laughs> I loved it. And now they're giving way to another top test, another top test for the defense, um, or starting for the offense of the 49ers, because the Cleveland Browns do right now, <laughs> thanks to Dallas's uh just absolute you know, Lamb Basing on Sunday night, they have the number one defensive football by a lot of metrics. You look at the amount of first downs that they allow, the amount of red zone drives that they allow for opposing offenses, the amount of pressures that they can create, the amount of cornerback play. You're talking about shutdown corners that the 49ers may or may not have. In spite of it, the Cleveland Browns do have guys that can match up on the outside with some weapons. Now, I don't know if they can keep everyone in check for the 49ers, but this is a Cleveland Browns team that, led by Miles Garrett, Z'Darrius Smith, Denzel Ward, and, of course, their defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, is another test for a Kyle Shanahan-led team. And so, yes, I'm with you, Lo, that the 49ers' defense is, and quite literally, per points per game, is the best in the NFL, but they get another look at a team after coming off a Dallas game that this is going to propose perhaps some different issues that we didn't see last week, and it's going to be another tall test for one Brock Purdy. Yeah, and, and that's what I like. I like that they're,
1: the the offense, to me, in my opinion, my personal opinion, I know everyone talks about the Niners' defense and how you know they can get after it. Nicky Bosa, we know what he brings in Freddie Warner and the way those guys play. But for me, this year, I think the headline, to me, is the 49ers' offense, the consistency in which Brock Purdy is playing the consistency in which they score. I think that this offense is is headlining. I know, you know, the defense for the last several years, it was about, hey, can Jimmy G just control the ball? Can Jimmy G not turn the ball over? Is there just if all they gotta do is, you know, just don't give up more if they can score 21 points, the Niners are in great shape. It was a question mark. Could the Niners get the 21? Now you look at the Niners. If they get to 24 points, is there any team in the league that is going to get over 24? I think 24 is a number. If the Niners score 25 points this year, a game, it's going to be very hard for teams to beat them. I mean, that's just the way it is. But if you look at the Niners' offense... Is a team going to hold this Niners offense under 21 or less? I don't know if there's a defense out there can hold the Niners offense the way that they're playing under 21. So when you look at it that way, you're firing on all cylinders. When your offense can go out and score the league average over 21 or 24 a game and think about what the offense can do now, and now if your defense can keep teams 21 or less, you're going to win 95% of your games now because now the offense for the first time in my opinion since I've seen been working with the Niners and watching the way they play in at uh this is the time now that their offense, in my opinion, is playing at a very, very high level. So it's going to be interesting because, like you said, Jim Swartz, I know him very well. Jimmy Swartz was a D.C. with Greg Williams when I was played with Tennessee, up-and-coming guy. Jim Swartz, he knows how to get after it. He's, like you said, he got his defense playing well. I love the kid, Mark uh, uh, Delpit. Delpit's mm-hmm. a Grant Delpit's It's good, you know, actually my little nephew, yeah. Lorenzo's first cousin. So love him out of, you know, LSU. So wanting to see him make some plays, but definitely pull him the Niners, but this this Cleveland Bounds defense, they will get
2: after you. And, and I do want to run some comments by the Delpit had earlier in the week about the 49ers, a potential good spot for Cleveland. They're coming off of a bye. It doesn't look like they're going to have a few players and they certainly won't have their starting quarterback at the beginning of this season, Deshaun Watson. He's been ruled out. They won't have their all-pro guard, Joel Batonio, along with a couple of other pieces that could play a role in this game. So I want to touch on the Browns just a little bit. But low getting back to the, the dominance, and how we think about this 49ers team, because in years past, you, you hit on it. It was all about the defense. And could the offense play its part? Right. Could it pull that right. side of the rope and do what it had to to win a football game? Now, because of what Brock Purdy has done, the whole party for 30, 30 points per game for Brock Purdy, I mean, he's blown 24 out of the water, of water. Seems, every single water. game. And that's why outside of the Rams game, which was a last-second field goal away from being a double-digit win for the Niners. They have put the hurtin' on every single football team that has been in their path so far this season. I do expect that to continue today against Cleveland, but to me, it is fascinating that we've gone from thinking about a Kyle Shanahan-led team that was all about their defense, that right. was led by Bosa, by Warner, in past seasons, a great secondary, and now to the point where we've gotten to It is back to West Coast-style football, Yes, throwing it, running it, giving it to you however you want it. And this offense, along with the defense, is playing better than any other offense in football.
1: No question. And you had to realize the last several years, it was the Niners, the magic number, 30 runs, 40 runs. They had to run the ball. We would throw a number out there. They need 150 yards rushing, and they win. Those days are gone right now the way that this offense is clicking. The way that they're throwing the ball around the park, the way that they believe in the system and the way that Purdy is executing this offense in this system, understanding what he's what he's got to do. It's been pretty amazing. And I I like this game today for for several reasons. I think that you have a Cleveland Browns team that want to show that they belong. You have a Jim Swartz led uh, defense that's going to say, we got to slow down this team. You're playing in Cleveland. This is going to be, a, a, you know, I know we're going to get into the game, the X's and O's about the game, but I just want to see. Miles Garrett, going to be, he's going to be something a force to reckon with. So the table is set for the Niners to go out and, and execute and do what they do, and I just can't wait to see how, how this game unfolds, especially the way the Niners
2: offense the way that they've been playing. And it looks like there might be a chance of rain later on in the afternoon, but it. it- does appear low load that. For the most part, there are going to be some clear skies. And so John Dickinson, who's in Cleveland, is going to join us at 9 o'clock to give us a lay of the land, kind of set the scene for us as far as what's going on in Northeast Ohio in Cleveland, where the 49ers are taking on the Cleveland Browns. Week 6 NFL coming up at 10 a.m. for the kickoff. Now, Cleveland is coming off of a bye, and the 49ers are coming off of an emotional win. Uh, whether, However you want to slice it, they took Dallas' cornbread, like you said, and that was a game that was just utter destruction by the San Francisco 49ers. But it does present the question of, are the 49ers in danger of a letdown game, of a trap game? And I'm curious how you see this, because to me, if the 49ers are approaching this game like they approach the Dallas game, like Kyle Shanahan said that on Saturday night, he pulled his team in and he said, hey, guys, I know this is the Cowboys coming into town. I know the entire nation is going to be watching us. But if we take on Dallas the same way we took on the Rams, the same way we took on the Steelers, the same way we take on any opponent this season and we do what we do, there is not a single team that can beat us. If Cleveland does have the added rest advantage and San Francisco does have an emotional high, is there a threat of a letdown game? I don't think there's enough of a threat to believe that this is going to be a loss for San Francisco. But it could be a situation where you see them come out a little flatter than we've seen them so far this year.
1: Yeah, I think you make a great point, a very valid point. I'll go around the league and just give you some some different scenarios that you can kind of follow and you would understand what I'm saying. If this team, if the Niners was going to be playing in Miami, I would say yes. This could be a huge letdown or a huge spot that I wouldn't like the spot. If they were going to be traveling to Buffalo after that big emotion went over the Cowboys, I would say, hey, I don't like this spot. If they were playing, you know, there's a few other teams. Maybe, you know, Philadelphia, of course. I'm like, I don't like this spot because you played a physical game. But Dallas really wasn't physical. It was over by the third quarter. And your starters got pulled out of the game in the fourth quarter. So you didn't really take the wear and tear and the beating emotionally and physically. So I'm like, okay. But then you're playing against the Cleveland Browns team. That's a good defense. They can get after you. But offense, do they have enough? Now, if you're playing against Philly... If you're playing against the Bills and if you're playing against Miami, you and I both would sit here, Evan, and say, yeah, they're going to gonna have the defense got to play some good ball. And it's going to because you're not going to stop Josh Allen. You're not going to shut down and just, you know, Philadelphia. So be, the, the spot is tough, but I don't think Cleveland has enough offensively collectively to to beat the Niners. Now, they can make this a game. The Niners, Niners just have to win. Don't turn the ball over. Win the turnover battles and they should be fine. On the other hand, though, when you look at it and you say, is this a tough spot? I would say, yeah, for the Cowboys, you look at Buffalo two weeks ago. Buffalo beat a Miami Dolphin team that was undefeated, high scoring, going around. And then they had to travel over to London, go across the pond. Jacksonville was already there for two weeks. Yeah. That was a tough spot for the Bills. The Bills are better than... Than the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's let's we know that. But the spot, so I think the Cowboys. The Cowboys spot is a little bit tougher because the Chargers are off on a bye week. The Chargers have offense that can score with anybody. You have a quarterback that's pretty prolific. And now the Cowboys are gonna go to SoFi on Monday night and play the Chargers team. I think they're in a tough spot because the Chargers can score. Can can when you look at through their playing, can the Cleveland Browns and I know it's possible, but is it probable for the Cleveland Browns to go out and score twenty-four points or more against the Niners?
2: I don't think so. Nor do I.
1: That's why I don't think this is that spot. And I think Cal Shanahan and these guys
2: ready to play. And no, I'm with you. And I think that the one thing that could be in jeopardy because look, the 49 ers got a lot of streaks that they're working on right now. They're trying to win, uh, you know, their their sixteenth consecutive regular season game. That would be a franchise record. They tied the fifteenth on Sunday against Dallas. Christian McCaffrey is working on a touchdown streak of his own that has been prolific. And so the 49ers are in a position where, yes, if McCaffrey doesn't score his his 15th straight game with a touchdown, that could be in jeopardy. I don't think the win is in jeopardy at all in this game. But what could be, and it's funny, we talk about magic numbers. So Brock Purdy has scored 30 30 points in every regular season game, all but one so far in his career. That 30-point streak could be in jeopardy today. Yeah. But if you're talking about magic numbers instead of 24, it might be 17 today. And that's what I think of the Cleveland offense right now without its quarterback Deshaun Watson. I don't think that they're going to they're going to have trouble getting into the red zone against this 49ers defense. If they score one touchdown today, that might be a victory for them. It ain't going to be a victory on the scoreboard.
1: Oh, I agree with you. And, and, yeah, we talked about 24, 21 points. That's usually the league average. If you can get to 21 points or more, yeah. you should win more games if you score 21. Uh, yeah, we're just moving that bar up for the Niners because what their offense has been able to do, score 30 or more in only one game they have in Brock Party, that is. So when you think about who they're playing today, and the team's playing with a third, fourth-string quarterback. What is today? What does that look like? And I think they're right. The number seventeen. I would be shocked if the Cleveland Browns scored over seventeen points today. But you're right. Some of those stats, maybe a thirty. Maybe the Niners don't get the thirty. Why? Because they're playing against a pretty good defense and a defense that want to go out and, and Jim is going to have those guys playing. They got some good guy, guys on the defense on the back end and also on the, the defensive line on the front. So it's going to be interesting. Can they get to the score score thirty? So I think the biggest thing like you're alluding to, Evan, is just the fact are those records and those streaks that the 49ers are trying to reach. And I don't think they're trying to reach them by, okay, we got to get the streaks on. No, that's not the motivation. It's going out and playing. And when they play well, streaks
2: just get broken. And those streaks are a product of the system that's been put together by Kyle Shanahan because of what he's built, both as a talent evaluator and front office member around the quarterback position that has now fallen into place. I don't care that it wasn't his fault that Brock Purdy turned him the guy he is because Kyle Shanahan has maximized that position more so than I believe any play caller could in the NFL. And situation absolutely matters. But for the 49ers to do what they've done with this kid with an unbelievable 7th round pick that is making beans at this point. He's you know, he's got a roommate down in the South Bay. He no. doesn't even have his own crib. He's, he doesn't have property. The guy's Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, he's, he's a high schooler, looking you know, twenty-three years old. Oh, No,
1: you're right. You're like this guy's got two roommates. He, you know, he's making minimum salary door near. He was a Mister Irrelevant. The he's last minute to the grocery store. Get, he looks right. like you and I, right. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, it it's, it's it's it is. This is pretty amazing when you think about just his ride. I mean, forget football, just his ride, and you know and what he's been able to accomplish and, and just the way he goes about doing it you watch him he stays so he stays so malmannered. mannered he stays so consistent he's never too high he's never too low and he's just a diamond in the rough and you everyone around the league he's going he's got some haters and he's he's probably starting to see it but you see him, though he doesn't pay attention he goes hey I just got to focus on my job you see how everyone's waiting for this guy to fall and that's the world we live in I was talking last week at just about it was, okay, is this guy going to fall off? And, oh, you know, it's this system quarterback and all. Man, he's making the reads. He's doing what he needs to do. There was guys here before him that couldn't do the job. You traded a boatload of picks to get, you know, the, the quarterback that got traded to Dallas. And now you say, look at Jimmy Garoppolo's gone to the Raiders. Think about what this guy has done. Cal Shanahan knew What he had once he started playing last year, that's why Cal Shannon was able to let these two quarterbacks that are you know middle of the field or top-tiered quarterbacks kind of in there go. Think what he let go because he believed in Brock Purdy and he believed Brock Purdy could execute
2: his system and his offense perfectly, and that's what he's doing. Well that's why I think if you put these guys into a lab and you strip Draft status, you strip height and weight, you strip measurables. I do think that if Kyle Shanahan could create a quarterback in a lab, it would be something along the lines of Brock Purdy, a guy that makes incredible decisions with the football, makes them incredibly quick, and doesn't put you in disadvantageous positions over and over again like some of the former quarterbacks, specifically Jimmy Garoppolo. So even though (laughs) Brock Purdy might, might not be able to throw it out of the stadium that he's playing in today, he might not be able to hit every single throw with perfection. He gives me the sense of comfort. And I think he does that for Kyle Shanahan more than I've seen with any quarterback outside of maybe a 2016 Matt Ryan when he was the MVP, because that's the type of just consistency and balance with which he plays the game. And for him to do it right out of the gates is unbelievable because when I watch him play football low, It's like you're watching a guy in his third or fourth year with the way that he processes, the way that he dissects things, and Kyle Shanahan makes it extremely easy for him to do all of those things, and he maximizes his skill set. That's why I view them as a package deal, because I think Brock Purdy compliments kyle shanahan in ways that garoppolo that lance that quarterbacks before him could not do and i think that kyle shanahan compliments brock purdy with some of the very few deficiencies that he has in his game he makes sure that they do not show up the moment that that ball is snapped and that they are in perfect harmony as both the play caller and his quarterback
1: without a doubt that's a great way to spot you spot on and just think about it when you think about when Matt Ryan had the, those years, the year that he had with Cal Shannon, the only difference between him and Purdy is Shanahan let it, Matt throw the ball more downfield. They had the more of the bigger plays. So he understands what Purdy does well. So you don't see him taking those type of shots as, much as Matt Ryan, bigger arm. This is what he did. So Shanahan said, hey, this is going to be in our repertoire more. But if you watch, the biggest thing about what Purdy does, he understands what he has, he understands who Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo are, and he gets the ball out of his hands. He throws it to the spot. You'll watch the pass that he threw last week. The linebackers dropping in coverage, Oof. and he dropped that right over the top, right into the window, and only Debo could catch it. You watch when Ayuk came out of the break; the ball was already in the air. You start watching today, or you know the listeners out there. Watch Purdy today. Watch the ball is going to be out of his hands before the receiver is even turned around, before they even he comes out of his break. That is because he trusts the system, but he trusts his receivers. So people say, "Well, what's the difference, Lorenzo? Why, if if he was in Cincinnati, he could do the same thing." No, it's a different type of offense. It's a seven-step drop. You got to read coverages. You got to let guys drop in certain things. Yes, and then you throw it to a spot. I get that, but the difference in this one, this is like quicker reads. You're letting the ball go, and you're trusting that the guy is going to be in the spot. So yes. Brock Purdy, in my opinion, like you said, if you put him in the lab, put Cal Shannon in the lab, this is the guy that he would create because Purdy understands it. And Purdy says, I'm going to trust this system and I'm going to trust my receivers and trust they're going to do it. Because other quarterbacks, they've had their chance to trust it. Other other quarterbacks that were here, had Trey and, and Jimmy, they had a chance to let it go, do the same
2: thing, but they did not do it. So that means Purdy executes better. And look, I want to use Brock Purdy to get into a conversation about the quarterback situations between the two teams that are playing today, the 49ers and the Browns, because I think they could not be more diametrically opposed with how Cleveland has handled its quarterback situation, the amount of money that they've given to right. their quarterback, and what that has gotten them so far, as opposed to Brock Purdy, the amount of money that he's making, and the amount of weapons that he has around him that have helped him off to a nine touchdown, zero interception, 123.1 quarterback rating start. He has been- been phenomenal, as have the 49ers going for their sixth straight win today. That would match the 1984 49ers, the 1990 49ers, and the most recently 2019 49ers as the best start. First six wins for a season. They're also going for a franchise record 15th, consecutive win in the regular season. Christian McCaffrey's trying to get his 15th straight game with a touchdown. That would be two off of the all-time record set by Lenny Moore. And so a lot of great things moving for the 49ers as we continue to move on on the kickoff show. Evan Giddings along with Lorenzo. Nearly got John Dickinson coming up at 9 o'clock live from Cleveland. And so I'm looking forward to checking in with him, seeing what the weather is like. Also, a look at some of the potential inactives today for both the 49ers as well as the Cleveland Browns. Some updates on Dre Greenlaw coming your way next. Evan Giddings along Lorenzo Neal on the kickoff show. We're back with more on 95.7 The Game after this. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
0: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
2: You have 47 new voicemails.
1: Now, okay. back to the kickoff show with Evan Giddings and Lo Neal on 95.7 The
2: Game. Okay. We're getting I, groovy here I on I the see Sunday back morning. there, my man on the turntables. I see you putting it down, my guy. Granny on the ones and twos. Of course, you he can catch him on overtime the second that the San Francisco 49ers and the Cleveland Browns are done. Coming to you from Cleveland, Ohio, later on today, about 90 minutes away from kickoff. John is going to join us live from Cleveland in about a half an hour. Evan Giddings, Lorenzo Neal on the kickoff show. You know, We're, we're just talking about, uh, during the break, low, some of the, the things that you can use as, as bulletin board material if you're an opponent, if you're a player. You know, we We're speaking about Grant Delpit, strong safety for the Cleveland Browns. His comments earlier this week were sort of surrounding the spot that you were touching on right. in the first segment for the Browns. You're coming off that bye week. You're trying to get yourself healthy, even though they admittedly will be missing their starting quarterback due to an injury. But the 49ers are coming off an emotional win against the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe a a day two less rest for the 49ers. they got to go on the road. They're coming out to Cleveland, 10 a.m. start, East Coast. So Delpit was essentially saying, look, this is the spot that you want to play the 49ers. But if you're the 49ers and you hear a guy on the other side saying that, you got to be thinking, Okay, show me <laughs> exactly,
1: Missouri. Right, 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 right. You're right, Evan. When you think about, and that's what Grant's saying. The young man is just saying, look, if you were looking at a, a great opportunity, team that played on Sunday night, you played, played a physical team. I could see if Dallas would have played to their potential as I thought they underachieved, I think everyone did, the way that they just kind of laid down. If they would have made that a physical game, you you've heard, you know, the best offensive line, offensive tackle during there in football, you know, when Trent saying, this is an ice bag, this is an ice tub game, and he was referring to, after games like this, you need to just sit in the ice tub because you're so beat up, you're so sore, after the game, you got to get in the ice tub to recover. It wasn't that. Trent said, I mean, after the game, probably Trent said, man, he was able to go out and freaking cut the rug because <laughs> you got to realize they were out of the game by the fourth quarter. It wasn't as physical as you thought. It wasn't as physical as we thought it would be. So I would I would be with Grant if that was the case. But you, you played a physical game and imposed your will on the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas didn't impose your will. So I think I understand what he's saying. But now you don't also have your starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who's pretty good quarterback, and where they have a good defense. I just don't think that the Cleveland Browns have enough to take advantage of this opportunity, and that's the 49ers coming uh, into town after a bye by the Cleveland Browns.
2: Well, and I think you made a really good point, too, there about how the 49ers and one of the advantages of taking care of a team early is you can get some added rest. You don't have to put your body through the ringer for the full 60 minutes if you take care of business the way that the 49ers took care of the Dallas Cowboys a week ago. Now, I do think from the Cleveland side, you know, looking at a defensive line with Miles Garrett, Darius Smith, who right. they have been familiar with in Green Bay, Dalvin Tomlinson, an underrated defensive tackle, along with a decent linebacking core <laughs> and a very solid secondary that can hit. hit I, you. I do think that this is a Cleveland team that defensively is going to play more physical than Dallas. So if you are the 49ers, in, in a way, yes, I, I hear where Delpit is saying that this is the spot and... For the 49ers might be at a little bit of a rest disadvantage, but to me, this is going to be a much more a much better test of their physicality than the one last week against Dallas.
1: Totally agree with you. You said that great, Evan. When you think about, I think the 49ers is going to, this is the game that the offense is going to be filling it. They're going to go play against a physical defense today in the Cleveland Browns that's going to get after it. This is like you talked about alluded to earlier today about Purdy and this offense scoring 30 points every single game. They're gonna be challenged today. This might be the, this this be where they don't necessarily score 30. The biggest thing for me is for the Niners, they can't turn the ball over today. If you just even if you don't play your best game, you just gotta come out, you gotta match intensity, you gotta play physical, because this Cleveland Browns team wants to show they want to. They want to invoke their power and their will on you and their infliction. So the Niners understand that they got to get off the bus and they got to be able to play and match Cleveland's intensity. Because Cleveland knows if they're going to win this game, and if they have any chance to win this game, it's going to be off of turnovers. It's going to be that they get some turnovers and their defense is going to have to win this game because Cleveland's Browns offense is not going to win this game with consistency today.
2: Yeah, and, and if Cleveland offensively did what it did. Two weeks ago, before the bye against Baltimore, which was Dorian Thompson Robinson in his first NFL start, turning the ball over three times. It's going to be curtains quick. So if Cleveland can even remain even in the turnover battle, I still think that favors San Francisco. But but when, when we're talking about Brock Purdy and we're talking about the, the comparison at the quarterback situation, you know, to, to me, low looking at San Francisco versus Cleveland when it comes to the signal callers. It is the ultimate pitting of stability versus uncertainty. And Brock Purdy right now is the poster boy for stability around the NFL. Even though I know he's only played 10 regular season games, he has created such a feeling of, of balance and stability in San Francisco at that spot, which has been, I mean, quite literally the most up and down position, you know, maybe around any any team that could consider itself a viable contender the last several years under Kyle Shanahan. The quarterback position has been the question mark here at San Francisco. Brock Purdy's checked that box. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Cleveland, a couple years ago, believed that they had checked that box with Deshaun Watson by giving him $230 million guaranteed, expecting him to be the quarterback right. for the future in Cleveland. And instead, a couple years later after The 49ers and a lot of fans may have wanted a guy like Deshaun Watson, may have wanted the 49ers to go out and give the big money to the big-name quarterback to bring in someone to shore up that position. It's, in, in fact, this unknown that comes in and makes you completely forget about wanting a Watson or this offseason, wanting a Lamar Jackson in previous years, wanting an Aaron Rodgers, right. wanting a Tom right. Brady. Brock Purdy has solved all of that. And I think it's interesting that we can look at now these two situations and how they've flipped on their heads.
1: No question. And it's, it's no guarantee that it, even you had those guys, they could play the kind of ball that Purdy's playing. Even if you brought in, you know, you look at like are you talking about, you know, a guy like Josh Allen, or you know, you look at the, you know, what Cincinnati being I think that he's a un, Joe Burrow's unbelievable quarterback. Yes, I think that he's better in other systems. I think that Joe Burrow's and is a phenomenal quarterback and would be better in the system that he's in than Purdy. But for the Niners, the way that what Cal Shanahan wants, I don't even think hell, I don't even think Josh Allen would take the because guys that are great quarterbacks. The Josh Allen's the you know the guys that we're talking about you look at what you know what they can do and what they bring to the table the Mahomes guys Aaron Rodgers those guys know that they're great and you look at Cincinnati and seeing the way that he's been able to play those guys take those chances they big quarterbacks they want to throw, show the arm off they want to do all those things so sometimes they have a hard time playing in types with this type of system because it's the patient. It's the, you know, are they gonna be patient enough to hold on? Are they gonna be patient enough to just a dink 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 do what Cal Shannon wants you to do? I don't know if these guys could could execute this offense the way that Purdy's doing it. That's the question that you know that, that I think that needs to be asked. Can these guys go out? Or, now, yes, you get Deshaun Watson. In this offense, and you talk about now because you have a running back, the way that McCaffrey's able to hit the hole, and you do stretch plays, and now you have your Watson can boot, and with his speed, I mean, you, you change Shanahan could change the offense even more. So, those are all hype, you know, wishful thinking, all those other things, but I think you have the guy that I wouldn't want anybody else in this offense but Purdy. Can you believe that we're saying that? All these great quarterbacks in the league, but we're saying Purdy for this offense, and you wouldn't take anyone else because he executes it the way that Sheldon likes.
2: He's the one you want. And I think the 49ers are in a position now to where you look around at the rest of quarterbacks in football, and sure, some are playing better than others. Some are guys that I believe could be Good in any situation. You know, the Mahomes, the Burrows, maybe the Herberts. It, right, right. Th- there are guys out Big there arms. that yeah, can they- play in any yes. system. Yes. But when you get a guy like Brock Purdy, and I think the other good example of this in football is a guy like Tua Tungavailoa in Miami. Right. If you have a player that can execute the, the play caller system that can do it in the way that the play caller envisions. It's almost like it allows Kyle Shanahan and that that genius label that we put on him, it's almost like he gets to kind of put on a helmet with his quarterback because their quarterback sees the field exactly how they want them to. I don't know if any other quarterback can do that the way that Brock Purdy can, but when we look at Miami, you look at the extension of Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel, now that he's got his quarterback into a tongue of Iloa, that offense has taken a completely different step in a direction that has produced a massive amount of points.
1: And that's, and let's get into that. And you look at it and you think about what McDaniels has brought there. Before, when Tua was there, everyone wanted to run him out of town. They said that this might have been a bust. Tua can't handle it. Tua's not the guy that, you know, that a lot of people thought that he should be. All of a sudden, McDaniels come to town. You go look at the offense. Their offense is scoring 30 or more. You look at the way that they're running the ball. You look at the system. Tua wasn't this great quarterback with this huge arms. But now, look at Because he's just average, he's going to follow the script. Because he's just a guy, a quarterback, his percentage has gone way up. Why? Because he understands he's letting the ball go on time. He's staying ahead of schedule. He's doing all the things that this McDaniels is asking me to do. But, oh, yeah. But what coaching tree is he from? Cal Shanahan's. And there you go. Here's a quarterback that people thought wrote him off. But now... He, because of the system he's in, and he's executing it to the fullest, look at the Miami Dolphins and how good they are.
2: Well, and, of course, the difference, like you're talking about, I, I think there's been a meteoric rise for Tua once McDaniel got in there. But Brock Purdy was here originally, and Kyle Shanahan put him in a, put him in a position to where every single position that he throws to or hands the ball off to is filled by an all-pro or an impending All-Pro because I know I technically hasn't made one of those teams before, but he's certainly going to be a Pro Bowler if he keeps playing the same way that he does this season. So every single place that he has to put the ball to, he's got guys that have been there, that have done it, and that are in the prime of their careers. Uh, one update from Nick and Wagner of ESPN, just an inactive update for you. Low uh, linebacker Drake Greenlaw will be inactive today against Cleveland. He's out with a hamstring, so expect Orrin Burks at the second linebacking position. That's pretty much all that there is to update because Elijah Mitchell is back from his knee injury so he's going to be active and now gives Christian McCaffrey along with Jordan Mason another option in the backfield so that that's certainly an update that's good for the 49ers outside of the Green Lawn news uh, but he is going to be out Oren Burks so is going to be in you know with with, with Brock Purdy though and, and talking about the the, the fit, the situation, it's been so seamless that it's hard to even think about someone else doing these things because you you look at the numbers that the offense puts up. Like, Brock Purdy himself has been incredibly efficient, but the the touchdown totals haven't been gaudy. But the one thing that he does not do that I, I, I do find it hard to believe any other quarterback, even a Mahomes or a Burrow, is Brock Purdy doesn't seem to put the ball in harm's way ever. And Mahomes has turned over the football. Burrow has turned over the football. But when Brock Purdy is, is, is doing his thing and when he is able to operate with the kind of cool, calm, collected demeanor that we continue to see week in and week out, it's hard for me to see him turning the ball over enough for a team like Cleveland, who's certainly an underdog today, to have a chance to be in this football game. Right. I think even if it's a game where we don't see Brock Purdy play statistically his best, where the offense doesn't produce enough points, this could be a game where Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan dial it back a bit mm-hmm. to think about, you know what, we could put up points on this team, but we want to win this football game, and that's all that matters.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're going to see a, a Purdy, and that's what I love about Brock, is he doesn't turn the ball over. He'll, he'll You know, he'll live to fight on another day. I think this team's playing the 49ers. They're playing complementary football. Purdy understands that he wants his defense to be fresh. He's going to get you a couple first downs. He's not going to turn the ball over, and and why? Because he doesn't want to give his defense, he give the opposing team a short field. He wants to make sure that the defense makes another offense have to drive the ball. He understands, and Shanahan's telling this team, and he's telling his offense, our defense is good enough. If you have to go three and out, and we change and we flip the field. It's hard for a team to drive the ball 80, 90 yards on this defense. Vice versa. Defense, if you give this offense a short field and you flip field position and we start an all 40 or whatever, we're going to get three because our offense yeah. is consistent. So that's what this team, it's playing complementary football. And if I'm the Niners, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily say I'm going to play conservative because if I play conservative, you let a team hang around. You don't want Cleveland to hang around and have a chance to win the game. You want to go ahead and put them out of misery, and that way, then you can say, okay, we got the game. But if you sit there and let Cleveland, because they're, they can make some plays and because they can get a short field and because they can get some turnovers— you don't want to give them hope. So, yes, I understand what you're saying. You want Brock to do what he does, and that's control. That's can take care of the ball. That's not turn the ball over. But I, I think Cal Shannon is going to be aggressive because I don't think that you want Cleveland hanging around
2: because the longer this team hang around, Cleveland Brown can give you some fits. That, that, that is true. And you also allow that defense to play with a little more freedom as opposed to if you put them back on their heels right. Right, and you allow that pass rush to not pin its ears back. Exactly. So that, And that could, that could also help the 49ers in. Not getting into that physical body bag type of football game, which already followed an emotional win. So, look, if you're the 49ers, it's about stacking victories at this point. It is about maintaining the pace with a Philadelphia team that I don't think is playing its best football at this point. And really the question is, low: how long can the 49ers play this level of football? I have a hard time believing against a team like Cleveland it's not going to continue. But over the course of you know six months, a 17-game regular season, then playoffs after that, because that's where we all believe that the 49 are going to be, and it's going to be deep into the postseason. How long can they maintain this level of dominance? And if they want to do that, might there be a game here or two where they need to keep their foot off the gas pedal a little bit? Or can you not approach it like that? Not look at it like the marathon, but just simply each and every game is a minor sprint within the larger marathon. I think it's a latter of the
1: two. Because I went on teams, went 14-2, went 13-3. You know, and three. I've been on those teams, and you don't take your foot off the gas. It's just you just get on a roll, and you find a way to win. We won some ugly games, but we found a way. You know, in San Diego at the time with the Chargers. Dude, we were, you know, beat the the beat Indianapolis. They were undefeated. 13-0. We go in there, we find a way to win. It's just when you're playing good football, you don't take your foot off the gas. You don't say, oh guys, we need to let off because we want to save some further. No. You just play consistent. Yeah, you get other guys. And when you and the good thing about when you're playing really good football like this, Evan, and your team is playing really good, you like it. You know why? Because now guys like Bale gets to get more targets. Guys that aren't playing as much get to get more targets. Now backups get more opportunities to get on the field. So now you can have those guys in crucial times because they've been game ready. They've been in games. So when you're a good team and you're playing very, very efficient, I think it's the best because other guys that usually don't get the play, that never touch the field, they get to grow.
2: And your team as a whole gets better. So I love the way they're playing. Well, and that creates the kind of deep... And, and the deep roster that the Fort ers and this was actually something I, I thought that was interesting. Because coming into this year, we all knew that the 49ers had a very top-heavy roster. And that at each and every position, you got pretty much you got a stud. You know, Offensive line maybe has some weak points, but you got Trent Williams anchoring things on the left side. Kittle at tight end, Debo, Ayuk, McCaffrey in the backfield on defense. Of course, you got Bosa, uh, you know, Eric Armstead added, Javon uh, Javon Hargrave, pardon me. I love Hargrave. You got Randy Gregory now, who I believe is going to make his first appearance in a 49ers uniform against Cleveland today. Drake Jackson is a young stud. Hufonga, everyone up and down the line. Fred Warner, of course. All of these guys are studs. But if one of them happens to go down, Who is going to be the next man up? For example, today, Trey Greenlaw is out with a hamstring. Oren Burks got his chance, actually had the last interception against Dak Prescott in the Cowboys game. He's going to get a chance to start. So I think you're right that even though the 49ers absolutely had Plenty of talent among their starters. Right, right. We're now getting to see midway, kind of moving into the midway portion of the year, how deep they are, and so far they've been able to answer that bell. No question, and now just the rotation gets
1: deeper. When you can rotate this guys and rotate guys, and now you see guys are coming in, and you're able to rotate and keep guys fresh, You just all you're doing is helping your team. Because we always talk about this team's going to have to be lucky, and we talk about the injury bug, how it always bites shows its ugly head on every team throughout the National Football League. If you can rotate guys and guys can stay fresh, you are going to you are going to dramatic drastically decrease your injuries. So I think this is a big for the 49ers, like we're talking about, Evan. The ability having guys to be able and ready to step in and play meaningful football for this 49er team is going to pay huge dividends at the end of the season
2: and the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Cleveland Browns are going to be down to their second or third string quarterback, depending on how you slice it. Deshaun Watson is out today with a shoulder injury. He missed week four due to a bruised shoulder. And then even with the extra week to recover, remains out. So P.J. Walker, who was elevated from the practice squad at the beginning of this season, saw him a little bit in Carolina last year, did the 49ers. He's going to spell the rookie DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson, who struggled throwing three picks in right. his first NFL start and week four against the Ravens. So the 49ers are going to get to see a backup quarterback, one that can use his legs, but is this a situation where if you see the backup, if you see it, like, do you approach that differently? Because I think the 49ers are going to be allowed to be more aggressive, both on the outside, playing a little more press, getting to those man coverages, but also at the point of attack. The defensive line in Steve Wilks, which really has not taken a step back from last season's top-tier defense, I believe, they've actually been able to get more aggressive. And I think this could be a day where Steve Wilks, because P.J. Walker is not much of a threat in a passing game as much as Deshaun Watson— he can blitz a lot more, and he can get after the quarterback.
1: Yeah, and not only do you blitz a lot, but I don't know if he's going to necessarily blitz. You know what you do when you're playing against young quarterbacks? You decide coverages. You act like you walk up in the a gap, or you're going to mug. You mug it. Well, you go up in there. So they call that mean mugging. And all of a sudden, you drop into coverage because the quarterback he's getting spooked. He said, "Okay, I'm going to hit. You know, I'm going to hit the tight end. it's going to come right across the middle. And all of a sudden, at the snap, the linebacker drops right into the middle, and you see those interceptions. So what you? do to a young quarterback, you disguise some coverages and you make you, you mix them up and they'll give you some picks. So I think that you will look for an interceptions because a lot of times you don't necessarily need to heat up a young quarterback. You don't need to bring the pressure and heat him up. Sometimes you sit back, you disguise coverages, think he's getting covered two, All of a sudden, throw some cover four, cover some two buzz some Sky, coverages on him, and now he's thinking one thing and all of a sudden you got a linebacker playing Tampa 2 where the middle linebacker runs back to the middle. You think at the middle of the field's open, but your linebacker's dropping deep, and Freddie does a great job, Fred Warner, of getting back there because of his speed, and he can make, you know, quarterbacks, make some ill-advised throws so I think I think Wooks gonna
2: light him up with some different coverages to get the young fellow to make some mistakes. And I think that look oh, we're gonna talk to John Dickinson by the way in just about eight minutes coming up at the top of the hour nine o'clock. Evan Gings, Lorenzo Neal the kickoff show taking up until kickoff between the 49ers and the Cleveland Browns here in week six of the NFL. But but speaking of Fred Warner, because we we've talked a lot about the quarterbacks on offense. But I don't know if there's a better quarterback on defense than Fred Warner with how he is able to be seemingly. All over the field at all times. But with how pre-snap, he's orchestrating the defense. He's moving his chess pieces. With, there, there was a play last week against Dak Prescott where he took away the first read underneath. And then Dak rolls out to the left. Warner chases him, throws his hands up, deters the pass, and then eventually gets the sack. He made about four plays in one that could have gone for a completion, could have gone for a quarterback scramble. And he erased all of it with what he's able to do, both with, of course, his body, but his mind. Right, and also the strip they remember he was on
1: the sideline, he was able to... The trifecta, you know, yeah. The trifecta, what he was able to do. So when you, when you look at Fred, think about Fred Warner and what he brings to the table, like you alluded to, not only the athletic ability, because there's a lot of guys that had athletic ability to, that run around, could hit and do all those stuff, but the mental aspect of it, him being that quarterback, like you're saying, on defense. Uh, you know, a quarter, another guy that I played with, fortunate to play with, and watch him play and prepare. Sam Mills, the great Sam Mills, who's no longer here, played with me with the Saints, and then he went on to you know be a coach for many years with the you know in, in Carolina with Panthers. Unbelievable quarterback as a linebacker. Ray Lewis was able to see mm. the guy and actually go with him and watch the way that he studied on the film. The watch the signals that he would make and understanding where the quarterback wants to go with the ball. Watch him do the cat and mouse game with Peyton Manning and, and you know and, and Tom Brady. Ray Lewis was a student of the game. You're absolutely right. When you look at a guy like Fred Warner and you think about how he's, how elusive and how he studies the game, attention to detail, getting guys lined up, that's an art. But that comes from preparation. That comes from putting in the time. Fred Warner puts in time. That's what makes him elite. That's what makes him great. Athletically, he's a phenomenal athlete. But then you add in the mental like you just alluded to. That's what separates Fred Warner
2: from a lot of linebackers in the National Football League. And it's the reason why, when you talk about Fred Warner, it's one, or it's one, or it's top one among linebackers. (laughs) I mean, this guy is just unbelievable. It's what what I like that. And and, and the fact that the 49ers can have him at the linebacker position, manning that, along with the ability from their defensive line to get pressure with, of course, Bosa, but this season adding Hargrave with Armstead, with now Randy Gregory into the fold. It is an embarrassment of riches both defensively and offensively for the 49ers, and I want to continue to get into that on the other side with John Dickinson who's going to join us live from Cleveland Browns Stadium. He's coming up next on 95.7 The Game. He is live in Cleveland. We're going to get a, a kind of a, a, an insight on both the weather, the feeling around this game. Does J.D. see it as a trappy potential situation for the 49ers, or does he expect them to roll the way I think a lot of people do against a backup quarterback led cleveland browns team evan Giddings and lorenzo neal with you on the kickoff show taking up until 10 a.m when the 49ers fight face the cleveland browns on the road in northeast ohio up next john dickinson right here on 95.7 the game
0: okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road